fact, I had considered becoming a lawyer until one of my professors in college who taught political science made a comment that lawyers will be marching single file over a cliff because there will be too many of them to effectively make a living. Now, what a downer he was. You can see how random my career path turned out to be. In fact, I stumbled into the collection business because I transitioned out of retail and sales. I've been involved in collections, customer service, and supervision now for over 30 years. And it was far from my original choice of a career path. Well, perhaps, unlike me, you were able to pursue your most desired career path. You, those of you who are adults now. Many of us derive our self-worth from what we do for a living. Amen? Some of us get our self-worth out of that. There's nothing wrong with that. Some of us are still trying to get to that dream job or reach the pinnacle of a career path that we would deem to be successful. Well, even if you're like me, you're still trying to figure out what you want to be when you grow up. There is something very, very important that you can do no matter what your career path is, no matter what your career choice is. Something very, very important for you to understand. The most important thing that you can do right now is to serve Jesus Christ right where you are. Can I get an amen for that? Everybody's listening, please say amen. amen. That is the most important thing that you can do right now, whether you have a career choice or not. That includes children, young adults, middle-aged adults, even us old-timers. Amen? I didn't say old, old. That's like old square. Don't do that. When you are serving Christ, your career job or your career path, frankly, becomes less important. It's not as important as what you thought it was. And your relationship with Christ becomes more important. Because you trust that he has you where you need to be at that very moment. You have to believe that Christ has you in a place right now where you are at that moment. And there have been moments when I've been unemployed in the midst of all this 30-year stuff I was talking about. But I had to trust that that's where I had to be at that very moment because that's where Christ put me. And those things happen. Now let's take this a step further. Assuming you are serving Christ, and we have to make that assumption, and living as he would have you to live, are you ready, willing, and able to think about moving outside of the box. Outside of the box. Are you sensitive to God's call to reach others for the gospel outside of your workplace? Are you open to God's call to go further than you ever thought you could go? It's very easy to live a very simple life, you get up, get ready for work, maybe you eat breakfast, maybe you don't, get in the car, drive to work, get to work, you clock in at 8 o'clock in the morning, you do your work, you run into people, say hello, you have water cooler discussions, you bump into somebody in the lunchroom, you say hello, and you go through the rest of your day, and you might minister to talk to people there at work. But when it's time to leave work, you go home, get home, get ready for bed, 
watch a little TV, go to sleep, and you repeat that same thing all over again. That's a routine. That's a very regular routine that many of us get into. But I've now just talked about how you can go outside of that routine. Go outside of what you normally do. Thinking about this whole thing about reaching people for Christ outside of what you normally would do. Outside of the box. Outside of what's comfortable to you. So think about that. Please consider the following call that God gives to every believer in Jesus Christ, whether you have a career or not. Turn to Matthew chapter 28. This has nothing to do with your career. This has nothing to do with specifically what you do for a living. But he is saying no matter where you are, what you're doing, here's what you need to be thinking about as you live your life. Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20. This should be the most familiar verse that you've ever experienced in Scripture, other than Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Why? It's because Jesus Christ is speaking to each and every believer about what they need to be responsible for. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version which I happen to discover by accident is a lot like the Holman Christian Standard Bible in some ways. Some words get changed a little bit. But it says the same thing. It says in Matthew 28:18, starting there, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe... All that I have commanded you. Look at that again. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's a very specific comment being made to us. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The authority that Jesus received from his father gave him the right to tell his followers to go out and reach others with the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's everyone. That's every believer. No picking and choosing. Everyone. He wants them to tell all about what we know of him and his word in order that those who hear the message could also tell others about Christ. He wants us to tell about Christ so that they can tell about Christ. Very important. In order to do this, his followers would have to leave their homes and even their immediate surroundings to carry out this command. Sometimes you just got to get out of your house. Sometimes you have to leave. And I, and I say your house, not just your house, but the areas that you're normally familiar with. The co- coffee shop you go to every week. Your workplace. The places you frequent. You've got to get out a little bit. You've got to go outside of your immediate surroundings to carry out this command. But understand something. You're being given energy and power through the Holy Spirit to do this. Go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Now, while you're doing that, I'm going to tie my shoe because I just realized, and so you'll have to forgive me while I, I hide for a second so you'll know what I'm doing. The last thing I want to do is do a dive off the stage. Amen. Safety first. I don't care if you're preaching or doing whatever you're doing. Safety first. (laughs) Acts chapter 1. Verse 8. This is something that's really important for us to see too. A lot of people wonder, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. What am I supposed to be saying? You don't need to worry about that. 
All God wants you to do is, is study his word, read his word, and when the time comes, he's going to give you the ability to say what you need to say. We make too much out of this sometimes. Don't overthink it. That's not a scripture, that's just logic. Don't overthink it. It says in Acts 1, 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus was not limiting his call to your street or your neighborhood or your office or your company or even just within the state of Ohio or the United States. He literally meant the ends of the earth, which is all nations. For believers, this should not be considered as out-of-the-box thinking. This really should be in-the-box thinking. If you're thinking globally, that's where you should be. It is what he expects out of his followers. He expects you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, to have this very same mindset. This shouldn't be out-of-the-box for you. This should be right in line with where you are in Christ. Because that's what he desires. You desire what he desires. Amen? So what now? Jesus is calling for his followers to go to other nations. The gospel is to be proclaimed wherever there are people all over the world. It must be proclaimed because there are literally millions of people in our generation who were just like you at one time in your life who are unsaved and lost. You were there too at one point. Millions in this generation. Unsaved and lost. Don't know the truth. Don't know who Jesus Christ is. There are millions everywhere who are lost in a system of religion that binds people into submission, lost in the discord of deities and idols, lost in a belief that we are alone in this world, that human enlightenment is the path to truth, and that our own works will determine whether we get to go to heaven or not. Now those are great words, but they're not my own. If you go to the Christian Missionary Alliance website, that's where you'll find those very words. Talking about the lost. By the way, if you've never dialed up the Christian Missionary Alliance website, shame on you. You should be doing that. They've actually improved it. It's a really fantastic resource of information that talks specifically about what the Christian and Missionary Alliance is. Don't you think, if you're going to be a part of something like what you're doing here or any Alliance church, that you need to kind of know what the Alliance is all about? I mean, I don't necessarily follow. I was never a guy about fads. I never followed other people or got into cliques and stuff like that. I kind of want to do my own thing and learn because I didn't like the idea of just having someone else control the way I think. And you need to think for yourself. And you need to look these things up and understand what the Alliance is about. And if you do look up C-M-A-L-L-I-A-N-C-E, cmalliance.org, you will not be disappointed. It's fabulous. Great resource. That was not meant to be a commercial for the Alliance. Turned out to be. But they are doing amazing work. Amazing work. And I am proud and pleased to be a part of it. That's something you can put and hang your hat on. They're doing amazing work. There are many who are without hope. Think about that. Just like you were at one time, without hope. There are many who have not realized God's eternal grace. 
in order for, to have empathy for the lost, you should quietly reflect upon where you once were without Jesus Christ and where you are now with him. Think about your before and after. Before and after. Where were you without Christ? Where are you today with Christ? You should be praising the Lord every time you think about that. The only way you're going to have empathy for other people is for you to recognize where you came from, where you are today, and where you're going. And it's much better to be going somewhere with an eternal hope than going somewhere to eternal damnation. Amen? Jesus Christ desires for all to come to a saving knowledge of him. That's what he wants. That's from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. But if you don't share this desire, if you don't share this desire about other people getting saved, then you're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. You're not ready to go anywhere. This whole talk about going into all the world and preaching the gospel, if you don't believe or understand why you're here and what you're doing, you're not ready to go anywhere. How are you going to tell somebody about Christ if you don't even understand it yourself? This is not optional. This is mandatory. You have to learn more about Jesus Christ. You have more to learn about Jesus. You have more to learn about yourself. Jesus calls his people into ministry to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. That's also from Mark 16, 15. In order to fulfill this task, Jesus wants us to be ready, willing, and able. Ready, willing, and able. Now, you've heard that before. Ready, willing, and able. He gives us the Holy Spirit to provide us with power and energy, but we still need to do our part. How do we need to do our part? Number one, we need to get ready. Get ready. To be ready means to get ready. This readiness is all about your personal development in Christ. Personal development. We can talk from here all day long. Ultimately, you have to have a personal development with Christ on your own. I can't make you do anything. I can only give guidance as to what that should be. But you have to have a personal development with Christ in this whole process of getting ready. And that personal development means developing a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. It can only be developed and improved with the discipline of preparation, the desire to be obedient and the implementation of his character as you live each day. This is an ongoing process. You are in school all the time. I know this might be disappointing to some of you who have graduated and gotten out of high school or whatever. I ain't in school. I don't want to go to school. Sorry, you're already in school. You're in school every day. You probably don't want to acknowledge it, but you're in school. It's either you be in school or you're going to get schooled. Because the world will school you if you're not ready for it. So be in school or get schooled. I'm trying to be a hep cat up here. The discipline of preparation is reading and studying the Bible on a daily basis. A daily basis. 
as the word means more and more to you each day, you find yourself desiring to please God more and more by following his teaching and living under his instruction as you pray for knowledge and meditate on his wisdom. And how important is it for you to be reading and studying and learning more and more about who the Lord is? You can't put a price on it. Go to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. Because when you do these very things, God responds to you in ways that you probably can't even imagine. He blesses you because you are paying attention to him. You are, and even if you don't understand everything, he still blesses you because you're paying attention. Psalm chapter 1. The very first and first and second verse. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. You are blessed because you are focusing on the word. You're getting ready. This is how God is preparing you, getting ready. You can't be ready unless you get ready. Amen? Number two, be willing. Willingness is a component of obedience to Jesus and his call for you. Being willing means, you, Lord, your word means something to me. I will be obedient to your word. I'm willing to do that. Be willing. Be willing to do it. Challenge yourself to do it. If he is calling you to go forth, you've got to be willing to listen and embrace what he wants you to do. Reminding you that he is asking for you to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. For remember, he tells you that he's going to be with you no matter where you are. If you're willing, he will make his presence known to you right where you are. All he wants is a willing spirit a willing person, willing to say, here I am. Willing. Willingness requires obedience, though. That's a tripping point for a lot of people. You can say you follow Jesus Christ, but if you're not obedient to him, you're not following him. Obedience is the key. The only way you can love Jesus Christ and I, I always say this, so forgive me if you heard this before, but the only way you can love Jesus Christ is by being obedient to his word. That's it. There is no other way for you to love him. Unless you pay attention to his word, that's it. You can't say you love him. And desiring to love him is not the same as loving him. Obedience requires you to recognize what his word is and say, I'm willing to trust in it. I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to put aside the flesh because the flesh will make you put aside God's word. Amen? The flesh will say, That's what the flesh will do. You don't need to waste your time with that. You got stuff to do has nothing to do with following the Lord. Amen? Amen? Don't be so agreeable. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Let's look at another one real quick. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. A lot of things are out there that are going to try to keep you from getting ready and being willing. There are distractions everywhere. Amen? There are distractions of the world everywhere. And you shouldn't be surprised by that. You're in Satan's domain. If you're in Satan's domain, why would you be surprised if there's opposition to this? That all comes from this relationship you're developing with Christ. He's going to give you that insight. You're going to face opposition. He tells you about it in his word anyway. If you're paying attention. But he wants to encourage you 
about the fact that he remains present even in your learning process. Deuteronomy 31.8 It is the Lord who goes before you. Understand something. We are out there trying to carry out this gospel message, but it's God's message. His message is going before you. You ever recognize how when you walk in a room sometimes and people recognize there's something different about you because you have the Holy Spirit working within you? Well, that's the Lord going before you. That's the Lord speaking for you before you open, open your mouth. That's not an accident. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Now, this is in Deuteronomy, but this verse is everywhere in Scripture in the Old Testament. You can find the repetition of this. He will not leave you or forsake you. He will not leave you or forsake you. The Lord goes before you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. It's everywhere. Now, why do you think he says it so many times? Because we need to be reminded about a billion times. Amen? We need the reminder. We need the encouragement that he is present. Another thing about willingness, to be willing is to be flexible. Flexible. It means that following Jesus, here's where I might lose some of you. We'll see. Following Jesus is more important than creature comforts or familiar settings. It means living a life of personal sacrifice. Okay. And it requires a humble heart in order for you to carry out the fruits of the Spirit. It means being a friend to others. It means loving other people, even those who are much different than you. Where you will reflect the love of Christ. Now, did you catch that? You're getting rid of your creature comforts. You're getting rid of your comfortable space. You sometimes have to go outside of your comfortable space to love other people. People that, at first glance, you wouldn't want to go within 10 feet of them. I'm telling the truth. These are the very people that need Jesus Christ. You need to be prepared to be flexible. Be flexible. And the reason why you need to be flexible is that people need to see the love of Christ. If you're not there to show it to them, where are they going to see it from? Amen? If you're not there to show it to them, where are they going to see it? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, please. 1 Corinthians 13. If we are called to speak about Christ, in many times, the person just as needs to see love. Love for who they are. Love from where they are, where they're coming from. Regardless of that, they need to see your love. Love. First Corinthians 13, starting at verse 4. People need to see love. The very first part of this is something that a lot of us need to practice. Because it says love is patient and kind. Sometimes we're not very patient. And there isn't a whole lot of kindness out there. So that's like a cup of cold water for a lot of folks. Somebody being patient with you and kind. We live in a me generation today. The me generation, me, myself, and I, isn't kind, isn't patient. 
I was sitting at the light yesterday, and I'm looking at traffic, making sure traffic is not coming to hit me. The light turned green in front of me. The guy behind me goes, Bat! Now, all you got to do is a little toot. You don't have to go, Bat! Like a family feud buzzer, Bat! You ain't got to do all that. Now, where is the kindness and patience in that? The light just changed. We need to see more people live where they're being more patient. Just give a toot. I'm good with that. I'm not going to get my car broadsided. I'm looking at traffic. You watch the cars. Amen? You do what you're supposed to do to take care of your own thing there. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Can we agree that we need to be showing love to other people? Amen. No matter what we're doing, whether it's talking about Jesus Christ or not, can we just start with that? That is refreshing today. That's how you need to be living. Your desire to serve Jesus Christ in love will produce much fruit. Jesus wants you to be willing to obey him in all things. Jesus wants you to be willing to show yourself to others as a sincere human being who follows him. He wants you to be willing to live and act in such a way that people can see his love, grace, and mercy. But it starts with love first. For people to see any of this stuff afterward, love them. Of all these things, Jesus desires for you to be willing to forgive others. Hello? Forgive others, even those who persecute you. You can't love anybody if you're not forgiving them. If you don't have forgiveness in your heart, you're not going to love them. You have to remember Jesus Christ had to forgive you. Please turn to Colossians chapter 3. I'll give you another verse here. Colossians 3 verses 12 and 13. You have to be willing to be flexible. You have to be willing to love people. Colossians 3, verses 12 and 13. Whenever you get mad about something, you might want to read this verse. (laughs) Because that means you're wearing something that you shouldn't be wearing at the time. So now the scripture is saying you need to take whatever it is off of you that makes you mad and put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Now let me tell you something. The more you develop your relationship with Jesus Christ, this makes perfect sense to you. You understand what it is to forgive someone. Because Christ has forgiven you. The moment you start holding grudges, not good. You have to not... That's what the world does, everyone. The world is the one who holds grudges. As a follower of Christ, you are not to hold grudges. 
Amen? Everybody's listening, say amen. amen. See, this is where people get lost. The further you get into this and get deeper into it, it's like, nah, man, I got a grudge against so-and-so. When I was a baby, they put hot sauce in my mouth. I ain't never forgotten about that. You don't hold grudges. A willingness to obey Jesus propels the faithful believer into a life of service that is open to the work of the Holy Spirit in everything that's done. You are now getting ready for a life of service for Christ because you're getting ready and you're willing. Finally, point number three, be able. Be able. In order to serve Christ wherever he sends you, it is very important to be able to rely upon the Holy Spirit to provide wisdom and guidance throughout any and all circumstances. The Spirit has to be the driving force behind everything that you're involved in. The Spirit enables you to live in a Christ-like manner before others. Go to Isaiah 11:2. Isaiah 11. Verse 2, being able means allowing the Spirit now to work. You've got this readiness. You've got this willingness. Now you've got to be able to say, Lord, here I am. I'm going to let you lead in my life. Just give me direction on what to do. Isaiah 11, 2. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. That's the Holy Spirit. All wrapped up in those words. Amen? That's the Holy Spirit. Wisdom, knowledge, understanding, counsel, might. I got to tell you something. There is no greater companion, no matter where you're going or what you're doing, than the Holy Spirit. None greater. He will not give you the wrong information. He will not give you the improper instruction. He will always guide you to a place where you're obedient to Him, and that's up to you to be obedient, by the way. You're not a robot. You, you have every right to say, I don't need this or I don't want this, but that's not a good idea. The Spirit provides wisdom and knowledge that's very valuable. Let's take another example. Uh, Ezekiel 36. Turn to that. Ezekiel 36. We're going to look at verses 26 and 27. Keep things moving along here. Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27. The Holy Spirit has a way of refreshing us. Refreshing you. When you're down and out, all you need to do is call on the Holy Spirit to give you a refreshing. A feeling that it's just like, how do you feel after you take a shower? You've been dirty and grungy and funky and smelly and I don't know whatever you've been doing, but the first thing you need to do when you put some water on you and some soap on you and you're all done... You feel good. It's refreshing. You know how you felt before that. Remember this before and after thing? Pay attention to that. Before and after. Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27 says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. He's giving you the desire to seek after him. It's a complete change from where you were in the past. Before you just wanted to live for yourself. Now the spirit's saying, you need to live for me and you're going to desire this. 
John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. That's God's promise. Every believer that in Jesus Christ has the Spirit dwelling within You are able as the Spirit enables you to do these things. Now, His Spirit, the Spirit, His purpose is to glorify God. As long as you recognize that. Which is what people are going to conclude as they see the presence of Christ in everything that you do. What you're doing does not glorify yourself. doesn't make you a special person. Look at what I did today. I gave all kinds of, I fed the poor. I had all this money. I doled it out to everybody else. No, the purpose is for you to glorify God. Amen? As long as you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you recognize that. The moment you turn that switch off the Spirit and start saying, it's me, 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 I, I, now you're not glorifying the Lord anymore. I don't care what you're doing. Amen? You're able to show others God's love, grace, and mercy in order that they can perhaps the first time in their lives experience God's love, grace, and mercy. They need to see that from you. Don't assume that a lot of people have received a lot of love, grace, and mercy. Because I promise you, they haven't. They haven't. The great commission of Jesus Christ is a powerful message for the believer it should compel you to think long and hard about more than just a job, more than just a career. It should compel you to think about how you can serve him in whatever you're doing. The burden of serving others will make you pray fervently. In other words, get down on your knees and open yourself up to how God can use you. Sometimes you just have to get on your knees and see what God is saying to you. You're going to see the need for a harvest in the same way that Jesus does. There's a harvest that needs to take place. A.B. Simpson noted that people are to be prayerful for qualified well-trained workers who desire to follow God's call to missions and also prayerful for sufficiency in financial support. Okay, let's say you're doing the work here and God did not call you to be a missionary. We got folks out there right now who are missionaries. What are you doing to support them? Are you praying for them? Are you providing financial support for them? You need to think about that. If your heart's desire is to see people get saved, and there's a lot at stake, that's what they're doing. They're being prayerful in their circumstances, in their situation, and they do need our support. And prayers are wonderful, but they need financial support, everybody. You know, we can talk about how much support. Whatever the Lord gives, leads you to give. You don't need to give a a king's ransom of money to do this. But make a commitment to do something. They really do need that support. There's a lot at stake. As there is an end to when the gospel will will be proclaimed. Christ's return is imminent. Do you believe that? Christ's return is imminent. Matthew 24, turn to that. Very important verse for you to internalize as we talk about this gospel message. It's a verse where, I don't recall it anywhere else in Scripture, where it's very pointed about Christ and that there is an end to all of this eventually. It's verse 14 in Matthew 24. Go to that. Remember 
this verse. Remember where you've seen it. Remember where it is so you can recall it. Because this should remind you that anything you're doing to reach people for Christ is not in vain. There will be an end to this. Matthew 24:14, English Standard Version I'm reading. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. There's an ending. When he returns, Jesus Christ is going to claim his people and judge those whom he does not have a personal relationship with. Plain and simple. The signs of his coming are ever-present and should not be ignored. Don't ignore it. A.B. Simpson noted the religious signs are growing and more vivid. Lukewarmness and worldliness in the church in the church. Intense longings after holiness on the part of the few and a mighty missionary movement are the features of the age and the signs of prophecy that point to the day of the Son of Man. He's going to return. The world needs to know this gospel. God desires it and they need to see our love. Amen? The lost of the world need to see the true God of the universe reflected in your Christ-like behavior. You're living as Christ would have you to live. They will see it. Your Christ-like behavior makes all the difference. All the difference. You can't be sometiming with this stuff. You can't be Sunday morning, put it on church, yeah, yes, I love the Lord. and then go out and act a fool Sunday afternoon. Don't even wait till you get out the church door sometimes. The lukewarmness of the church. That's what A.B. Simpson said. He said that back in 1890-something. There's nothing new under the sun. The lost need to see your love and sincerity through friendship in order to share these very important truths. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? And how is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to do it? Now is the time to be ready, willing, and able to speak freely about the one who saved you for all eternity. Saved you! Are you ready, willing, and able to trust in Jesus Christ in this way? In the same way that Jesus proclaimed you righteous and saved you with his grace, Now's the time for you to share his love for you with others. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 in the New Living Translation says, For God says at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Amen? Father, your message is very clear. I pray, Lord, that those who heard it are challenged to understand the importance of being ready, willing, and able. To speak boldly of their own salvation. To declare to others in love, gentleness, mercy, kindness, the importance of this gospel. Lord, we love everything that you tell us. We thank you and praise you for what you've done for us. Help us to share that information with other people as you have called us to do. 
Help us to come out of our comfort zones. Help us to come outside of the box as we see it. And recognize that this is not just a local mission. This is a global mission to reach people for Jesus Christ. Help us to stop and think about ways that we can serve you. Help us to stop and think about ways that we can help those missionaries who are doing the real grunt work overseas, developing relationships in sometimes very dangerous conditions. But they do it willingly. They do it with a desire to serve you. I pray that you keep them ready, willing, and able to serve you where they are right now. I pray that you'll preserve them and keep them. But not for their sake, but for the sake that you will be glorified. In places, Lord, we can barely pronounce the names of the countries or the cities. But you know who these people are. You know where they are. You know the ones who have a desire for you. Help us to remain mindful of those people. Help us to slow down and look at our relationship with you. Where we will ask, Lord, what would you have me to do now? Where would you have me to go? What can I do right now where I can do it even better for you? Lord, we thank you for the answers. We know that this is not a service of dread. But this is a service where we remain obedient to you. We thank you for choosing us to proclaim your gospel to others. We thank you for life itself. And we give you praise and thanks in all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.